it is a very warm welcome to, I think we can probably say friend of the pod, uh, Shauna Brown. Good morning. Big smile as ever. How are you, Shauna? How's your your festive season? All, all good? Yeah, good morning, Johnny. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I'll say quiet, but we was just around the family's house, was around my brother's on Christmas Day and my sister's on Boxing Day, but they're pretty much around here all the time. <clears throat> so it's just, just another day in the Brown household, really. But lots of food, drink, games. I guess games is the addition, actually, making sure we play some ball games, especially Scrabble. No, Scr- that's a lie, not Scrabble. Sorry, no, not Scrabble at all. Scategories. So SC gets me confused, you see, because I'm no good at word games like Scrabble and Bana- Banana Grounds. No good. Scrabble. Oh, I said it again. Scategories. Scategories. <laughs> I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure I've ever played Scategories. Um, Banana Grounds is a, is a firm favourite. Chateau yeah, Hamo. I'm, uh, not, I'm not very good with letters and making up words. But then we play, oh, what's the other? Articulate. That's a good one because yes. it's a talking game. I'm pretty good at talking. And describing things. Shauna, we <laughs> wanted to, to 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 get you on. Um, because obviously you, you've drawn a curtain on 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 your career and short really compared to you know the the long and the toothed don't tell her centers and, and 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 these kind of peeps. You've packed a hell of a lot into six, seven years, and we just wanted to sort of just have a, a look back at that really. And and already talking about your, your Christmas, you're you're talking about family. I know it's hugely, hugely important to you. But did you grow up in a household where the, the sport was on the telly or you know the radio was on with the with the football results? Were you going here, there, and everywhere on the weekends during the evenings to you know, to get that spark into the competitive sport that uh, this clearly served you so well? Uh, short answer that always surprises everyone. No, not at all. None none of my family are particularly into sport. Nobody else does any sport. Only my nephew, because I've made him play rugby. He's pretty good at it now. Um, no one goes to watch sport. It's just it's just me. But then because of me, everyone else is now into it in terms of watching and travelling all across the country and sometimes the world to either come and watch me or we go and watch someone else together. But no, didn't grow up in a sporting household at all. I'll always put my sporting side down to growing up with boy cousins and always being not not only the only girl, but the youngest one. And everything was just about keeping up with them, wanting to be better than them, wanting to climb the tree quicker than them, wanting to beat them up in a fight, wanting to beat them in a race and just... Just being better than them, really. So I owe it all to my, my boy cousins. And you're still really close with them now? Yeah, 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 yeah. We talk. Some One of them's moved to Hong Kong. Another one, there's Kent, Essex. I think another one's thinking of moving to New Zealand. So we're we're a family who gets around. But yeah, I am one of them in particular. He's the next youngest to me. And he's a primary school teacher, Jonathan. He's a, he's one of my, shh, don't tell anyone, he's one of my favourite cousins. But he'll always go around and say, Shauna tells everyone it's because of me that she's doing so well. And I and I love that about Jonathan because he once said to me, because I used to beat him up all of the time, he would say, you just wait till I'm older than you and then I'll get you. And it was like, whoa, no one's ever let him forget that because he was older than me. And, you know, the next bit being that you're never going to get older than someone unless they pop their clogs. So yeah, that's Jonathan. He's one of my faves. So when did this, this, this urge? And I, and I, and I did know you weren't a particularly sporting family, but I wanted the answer that that I got because it makes it even more impressive 
just the 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 smorgasbord of achievements um in your back catalog in terms of sport so it makes it even even more re- remarkable so when did you start or, or, or help, who helped channel that that competitive side that you're talking about with your with your cousins into a sort of sporting arena and what was that first sporting arena a huge part of it was my mum and mainly because like, she's a single parent she she knew what was good for us you know she's a she's a good woman she always know, knew that there was more there was always more that we can achieve and I've heard it once that the best you can do in life is always to want to be better than your parents or parent if you've only got one of them so I believe like from a young age she was always pushing me to do more to be more to become more um and a lot of it was just keeping me busy because she was she was working she's always always worked and childcare is expensive. So she would find anything going that was free, anything council funded, anything with a charity, any sort of exercises, any evening classes. So swimming, she found out at, at Crystal Palace Sports Centre, they had free swimming lessons because they was teaching the swimming teachers how to teach swimming. And so all the lessons for us as kids were free. So we was there, I think it was like every Monday evening learning how to swim and then we used to go to, in the summer, it was just called Kennington, I think it's just called Kennington Summer Project. And that was run by the Metropolitan Police. And that was about keeping kids off of the street, giving them somewhere to go. And that was all free. And sometimes like, you'd go do an activity like kayaking or rock climbing, that's per pound. And some kids couldn't afford that. So some kids just stayed in, it was based in the school at the time, it was Lillian Bailey's school. And some kids just stayed in the school playing table tennis, snooker, darts, whatever's going on. But if you were if you were a cool kid and your parents were doing all right, you'd pay the pound to go rock climbing for the day or kayaking or whatever it was. Um, football, we used to go football at Ferndale. And she worked for local authority. She worked in a youth offending team. So she knew about all of the schemes that mainly were to keep kids out of trouble. And so I spent a lot of my youth growing up with young offenders because that's that's the schemes that she would put me in. And anyone could join it's just a lot of these things are not well advertised or it's only if you're in the system you know about them um yeah so most of the time it's just my mum keeping me out of trouble keeping me busy while she was at work and and while you're in these these schemes and these arenas you just you just get on with it you're not you're not a girl or a boy well for me I wasn't I was just playing I just spent so many years just playing and I know I sound like an old lady when I talk about the phones and not having as much when we were growing up and used to share a phone with my mum used to play snake and that was the extent of it but aside from that I just played I come back from school get changed straight out playing down the adventure playground sometimes I try and go straight to adventure from school in my uniform but I think there was a rule in place at adventure that you had to go and get changed to stop kids doing that to make sure that they check in at home before coming back out for another few hours so yeah I just I just played for years and years and then eventually going to secondary school at Ian Stanhope it was having a great set of PE teachers um the main one in particular was was head of PE she was into her basketball like at a decent level so she knew competitive sport and how it worked and the whole time her and Mr Corley were just always pushing me into things and saying, why don't I give this a go? Like my whole life, I've just been trying things out because people think we'll be good at it. And even now, like I just trying things out because people are coming at me saying, I think you'll be good at this. Do you want to have a go? Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's a really long way of answering your question. But my first formal sport was athletics. So I just went down to local athletics track, Ladywell, 
um and just said is there a, is there a team that trains here is there something i can do here because i was there for many marathon trials and the, the person who worked there just said yeah there's a couple of clubs come on whichever day you want and rocked up and then started started doing athletics with blackie harriers as they were at the time if i can just just pick up on something you, you said previously with young offenders um spending that sort of time with them was there much temptation, and if there was, how strong was that temptation to to choose a to choose a different path? I'm I'm, I'm guessing mother had a a fairly fairly decent uh, sounds like a very sort of understanding lead on you, but um, yeah, was there was there other temptation to 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 choose different paths in life? Yeah, for sure, because it's not only all the time I'm spending with people who are officially young offenders, i.e., they've been caught and charged and put into a system. But then there was all the evenings and weekends I'm spending just playing out in my area. I grew up in Nuned, Peckham, New Cross. Um, and it was people who were at Adventure that would just go and play in the park. And sometimes like the no good kids you see like hanging out in a block, in a block of flats. That's what I used to do. Um, and it's not like that I'm proud or not proud. It's just what it is. Like you just used to hang out on the stairs with your mates with no no motive whatsoever. And to the point where I look like, Sometimes at my younger family members, I'm like, what are you doing? You're just hanging out in the park. But then I think, well, I used to do that. And I've I've turned out all right. So maybe it's just a it's just part of the circle of life. You have to go through this to realise it's a bit pointless. Um so yeah, growing up constant temptation. Like there's people that I grew up with who I still speak to now who are in jail or dead, unfortunately. Um, or maybe their lives have not gone as well as they either should or could, or not doing as well as I am. But ultimately the thing that kept me away from that side of life was was mum because I would always feel bad if I'd done something wrong but sport as well so it'd get especially with athletics it was Tuesday Thursday um and training started at something like seven half seven sometimes in Catford sometimes in Bromley so I'd have to leave adventure so whether it was of an evening after school or during school holidays it got to a point in the day where I had to go and because I enjoyed sport and competition and, and that's so much I wanted to go it was never a thing of mum had to come and drag me away to go to training like she never had to chase me down like it was always okay fine you can go out and play out all day but just be home for five because you've got to go to athletics and that was always the thing and there's there's a few situations where I, I literally walked away from badness to go to training and so I never got involved in that side so yeah constant temptation but it was sport that just sort of saw me right as such and just kept me on a path not because I thought oh no that's wrong I won't do that it was just I want to go athletics that's what I've trained for I've got a competition coming up I want to win so see you later boys and girls so so sport is, is is this vehicle and lots of people use it don't they in lots of different ways um you're talking about the, the way you use you use it there we don't all grease the wheels and fly down the hill using sport the way that, that you did but it was athletics hammer throwing when did somebody first go grasp onto that clear competitive edge that, that you have you've spoken about it three four times whether it's beating a cousin running up a tree or you know well I've, I've got to have a competition i can't can't be out playing with my mates who, who first harnessed that that competitive edge of yours was, was it somebody um at, at, at the athletics um at the harriers it was i guess it was my first ever throws coach well to be fair it was my sprint coach as well so we had michelle down at 
laid well track, um, like I say, when it was Blackheath Harriers, sprinting, and uh, people have seen me, seen my body shape. They've seen me run on the pitch. I'm not made for sprinting. I never have been. I give it a go. But she was like, well, if you want to do something else, there's other options within track and field. You don't have to run. And so discovered throwing. Um, and it was Herbie. He he took me to my first competition because a lot of growing up, my I've had support the whole time. I've been looked after by other people the whole time. I've had people pick me up from the train set because mum didn't drive. It never has and probably never will. So I'd have other club parents and club coaches pick me up from the train station pick me up from the bus stop sometimes take me to a competition so those are the people who just constantly harness me and sometimes pick me up from my house to to go to competitions um, and it was my first competition I just rocked up and it was in Tunbridge and I can't remember if it was Tunbridge Wells or, or Tunbridge I know there's a very big difference but I can't remember which one we were at and I threw a club record because I, I was just having a great day out because I was from SE15 and Nunhead Peckham and I didn't get out of London and I've gone to Tunbridge and it's just like whoa what a pretty countryside we're in so I was just on a great day out <laughs> mom made a full pack lunch as she does uh, and threw in a competition one which was pretty cool but then someone come over to me and said oh you've just thrown a club record so the furthest anyone at under 13 had ever thrown for Blackheath and we're well, called Blackheath and Bromley Harriers now and yep. the furthest end I was ever and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And but I didn't think much of it because I'm just there for a great day out. Um, and they said, no, that's a, that's like history. Nobody's ever thrown further than you at, at your age. And I was like, oh, right. And so yeah, from there I was like, well, maybe I should keep doing it because I I didn't even know what I was doing, and I threw pretty far. Um, so yeah, a lot of it came from my first club coaches at, at Blackie from Bromley Harriers. Your, your first throw, um, and it, yeah typically understated as you are you oh, yeah that's nice just every nice day out it's, it's so you uh it's brilliant um and then those competitive juice get going and you wanted to oh well i'm quite good at this and, and you know that competitive spirit continues and then you end up sort of representing your country at, at a commonwealth games just just talk us through that yeah so it was, a, it was a long journey to get there so i started athletics in 2002 i want to say and and the senior commonwealth games wasn't until 2014 yeah yeah so in between that i i competed at a junior level at youth level so i'd been to a world youth championships which is under 18 world juniors which is under 20 uh, european juniors and a commonwealth youth games which is under 19 i think it was um so yeah there was so many good experiences along the way and the senior Commonwealth was was well my ultimate in the end, um, but for me it was more about the journey. The destination was great, but actually I would say it was a failed destination because I my aim was to compete at the Rio 2016 Olympics, and I wasn't on course to do that, so I pulled away from it and so started rugby. But competing at the Commonwealth Games was great, but it was more about the journey on the way to get there, and that is what opened up my eyes to the world and not only that that my life is bigger than london that my life is bigger than the south of of england um my life is bigger than great britain but there's so much world out there and there's so many different and exciting and cool people and so much to learn and and so many questions to ask and i remember most of it, commonwealth use well it was in india and most of the time i just asking questions to people i'd say where have you come from where, where do you come from? Um, because also with the Commonwealth, it's not all countries. Sometimes they're territories. 
Um, and and I'd say, what does your flag look like? So I'm pretty good with flags. I, I just, I don't know, became obsessed with what, what flags look like. Um, I'd ask their population. I'd, I'd just ask questions because I was fascinated by there's so many different people out there. And I had no idea until, well, until I started competing on the, on the global scale. And those are the things that, that make me the person I am today for realizing that the world is so cool, that there's so much great, people and great situations and so much fantastic stories in this world that we should be showing off it and yes there's a lot wrong there's a lot bad but there's even more good and I just I've just always wanted to to know more and I've wanted to find out about people how they live and yeah it's just curiosity takes me so many places sometimes being away in uh Shauna Brown style of positivity and 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 the bigger world i'm going to try and just rein you back in slightly we can't cover everything we we need a sort of a week podcast but but while we're 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 doing the the shot leading up to to 2014 during that time uh, and please correct me if i'm wrong you're also throwing discus strong women competitions um is it highland games highland games yeah did you test the cable properly yeah I, I was one of the only women who could in each competition, yeah. And how were you with the... I got a 12 o'clock once, which is the perfect up and over rather than up and to the side. It was up and over. Yeah, it was one of, one of my greatest achievements ever. Nobody knows. Who knew that? Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I, knew I'd get, I knew I'd get exclusive, yes. <laughs> I mean, that is some achievement, getting the yeah, caber over, I... let alone a 12 o'clocker. Yeah, and it even took me to Iceland once, just to do a um, just do a Highland Games, and again, fantastic experience being in Iceland, entirely for sport. It's just wow. It's done me the world. Yeah. Mum didn't just take you to Iceland. Hey, stop it. Uh, <laughs> but there you go. I mean, Highland Games. I'd prefer to carry on talking about that. But no, you, we we must carry on. So so we're doing the Highland Games. We've got strongman competitions. We're throwing a, um, a discus, shot, javelin, all. Yeah. Uh, no javelin, but shot discus. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why not javelin then? Because I can't throw it very far. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Rotation yeah, javelin and throws a born. You can't. You can't make a javelin throw. If you throw a javelin, no, you can't. There's no. That's that's the saying. Yeah. Is there? Yeah. You also were boxing at that time as well. Is that right? Yeah. 2015. I had a professional boxing fight in summer of 2015. Yeah. Against. Uh well, that's controversy, I guess. Her name. Oh. They told me one name. Why is it controversial? That wasn't, that wasn't her name. And they told me she would weigh this much in body weight and she weighed a lot more. And they told me that she wasn't that experienced and it's her first few fights and she'd been fighting for 10 years. So, yeah, it um it wasn't an ideal situation. It taught me another bit about life, though. You just don't trust everyone. <laughs> So that wasn't the most positive experiences, but how, I mean, how, how how did that how did Shauna Brown the Hammer come about? So I was at a sevens competition. So when I just started rugby, went to sevens in the summer, and yeah, just doing doing rugby as you do, first time ever. I remember my first tackle was just a shoulder barge, and so penalty straight away. And the captain come running over like, sorry, 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 no, I'm sorry, sorry. She's um, this is her first game because I didn't rap at all whatsoever, and I ended her. Um, so this is a penalty, just a penalty, so that's okay. Um, and then throughout the day, just playing, playing, playing. And last game of the of the day, 
a guy came over to me and said, I've watched you play today. I've watched your handoffs. More importantly, you look like you'd be good at boxing. Would you want to have a go? And these opportunities come at my door and I just say yes. So that's that's how that one happened. And he just said, do you want to have a go at boxing? So I said, yeah. 100% you did, and, but, but, only, but, but only the one professional fight. Yeah, yeah, it was, I've always wanted to try it and I used to tell everyone all the time, I'm going to do boxing, whether they're going to do boxing, got the chance, tried it, realised it's not for me and then I'll move on from it. It's just, it's really that simple. Extraordinary. Yeah. Just, just took the two, three mil and, and walked, yeah? Yeah, you know it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we, we could talk about, um, you know, because you're a British gas during that period as well and your yeah. you, your commercial diving yeah well british gas was i'd say my first proper job i'd always describe it as my first proper job as the apprenticeship 2010 and i stayed there for five years so i went from installing boilers so <clears throat> all the the hard heavy work taking boilers physically off of the wall uh, radiators pipe work getting under floorboards like gritty gritty stuff um, and then transferred over to service and repair, which is a lot a lot lighter on the hands, shall we say, and you just attending to boilers and you just maybe change a few parts here and there, but nothing as strenuous and cut down my hours. So I had time to train. Like my whole life has been molded around sport. And I was just in a in a privileged position where British Gas helped me and supported me so much. And I and I asked for support and they essentially just said, Yeah. And I put the fact that I went to the Commonwealth Games like a lot of it is down to the support I received from British Gas just as a person they just and I, and I do ask afterwards with organizations and say why me why did you want to help me and they just said contrary to popular belief like we actually like our people and we want to support our people sometimes it just depends how they ask when they ask and if if we can facilitate or not um and we was in a place that we could facilitate you you asked nicely with a smile on your face and so we helped you, and it's that, that that power to to actually ask the question, um, and to poss- potentially that that bravery just to just to go to areas that you possibly wouldn't have done. That, that it seems to litter your your entire life so far. Uh, somebody says, "Oh, well, you, looks like you might be quite good at boxing." Oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll give that a go. Um, what what ties these all together? You, you have a I mean, no idea the meteorite under the sea. You would be. When you were when you were diving, um, oh, only a, up to fifty meters. Oh, not, only. Not, oh, it's not the deep stuff. Some some people go down to like two hundred when they're saturation diving. That's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah. Uh, what ties these all together? What opportunity? What, what... Okay. So I I get presented with an opportunity, and if I can't find a reason to say no, I say yes. I'll always want to give something a try to see if I like it or not because if I don't like it I'm content that I've tried it I don't like it I can move on there's a part of me that would think oh what if what if I give that a try what if I'd have given that a bit longer Um, and I guess the everyday stuff you can relate it to people with food and I truly don't understand how you can offer someone a plate of I don't know chicken tikka masala and you go I don't like that I go have you tried it I go no but I know I don't like it I'm like you, you can't you li- you can't know you don't like it because you've not tried it how can you live your life like that how do you know you do or don't like something you're good or no good at something if you've not tried it and in the same way that you're getting a, trying to get a kid to eat broccoli and most parents will say come on just try it and they'll get really frustrated with their kid for not trying it and the kid 
declaring they don't like it but so many adults have that trait as well it's just in a in a different way so I yeah I'd always try and say yes to things that people offer me and if I like it I like it if I don't I don't but why but sort of why 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 you because you've achieved uh we won't go into age that would be ungentlemanly um but you are a spring chicken really and yet I mean we skirted around but we have listed five ten fifteen things that you, you've done and achieved in, in your life from yeah and if we're honest from a background that, that probably wouldn't lend itself to having those kind of sporting opportunities so so so, so why why do you think you have you ever stopped and thought about that now especially now you're retired have you stopped and thought well, you know, why have these opportunities come my way well i think a lot of it is me and as much as i, I joke about it with with mates about this is not the Shauna show. And I will always reply, yes, it is. I'll make it about me. But I will also almost make opportunities. So as much as I say opportunities come to me, I don't just hang around waiting for opportunities to turn up. Like I'll put myself out there. I'll use my platform on social media. I'll go physically into into rooms and, and ask questions. And I'll go to networking events that I think oh, I really can't be bothered. But I'll make an effort. I'll find out who who people are, what jobs they have. And then I think, can they do anything to benefit me? I'll then connect with them on LinkedIn afterwards. I'll send that message. Oh, it's great to meet you last night. If we can work together at any point, like I will happily go and talk to people just in case like someone says to me, oh, do you, should we have a chat? And I, in my head, I'm thinking, I don't know you. What have we possibly got in common? But then my almost business brain, because that's what it's sort of come to, is says, well, I don't know what they can offer me. Like so, just have have that conversation. Um, so a lot of it is 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 down to me putting myself out there, making myself vulnerable. And you used the word earlier, bravery. There is an element of bravery to it because when I'm putting myself out there, there's always I still always have the fear of rejection. But for every ten times I ask, I might get rejected maybe like seven or eight times. But those two, one, two or three times that someone says yes those are the bigger opportunities so people don't see the stuff that I'm doing when I'm at home when I'm on my on my phone when I'm messaging people when I'm putting stuff out there um and then there's a lot of brands that I want to work with there's a lot of industries I want to get into that I can't because it's at the moment it's a no but for like I say every 10 times I ask there might be eight times I get rejected but it's the two times that I get accepted they're the really cool ones. They're the ones I capitalize on. And they're the ones I want the other eight who said no to look back and go, oh, she's a good person. Maybe we should have worked with her. And I've had it previously when I've directly asked the brand, do you want to do a collaboration? Do you want to work together? And they've either ignored me or, or just said maybe, or, or maybe they've actually said straight out no, which is always a preference, but they don't always do that. And then I've carried uh-huh. on like in the months and, and potentially year or two years. And then I've had those brands message me saying, oh, did you still want to collaborate? And it depends what mood I'm in that day. Sometimes I go, no, actually, no, I don't. I asked you last year. You couldn't even reply to me. So no, no, I do not. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in the, the background that people don't always see. There's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of moments when I think, why am I bothering? Like, why am I even doing this? I'm just hitting my head against a brick wall. But there's a lot of special moments in there and they're the ones I celebrate and they're the ones I get celebrated for. Um, so I guess that's what keeps me going. Yeah. It's just a lot of that. Um, I'm sure people can relate to, to, to their own lives and, and keep, keep knocking, knocking on that door. Hi everyone. 
I'm Lindsay Peet and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. Enjoy. So you've got all these other sports going on. You've got, whether it be a, a tree trunk in your hands, uh, um, a, a cannonball, um, an incredibly hard frisbee. When did your hands first meet a rugby ball? So my hands first met a rugby ball going down to Medway Rugby Club in the summer of 2015. And it was after I'd been to the Commonwealth Games 2014, started falling out in love with the sport of athletics. And I actually told myself I was going to retire. I was going to retire from sport and I was just going to be a normal person. And it was about the time I got into diving. Who were you trying to kid? Who were you trying to kid, Shauna? (laughs) Uh, Well, myself mainly. (laughs) I thought, I just want to Not go to work, come home, watch TV, have dinner, go to bed. I want to do that every day. And even now, when I say it out loud, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll let you into a secret. That's never going to happen for you. That's never <laughs> newsflash. That is, that is not going to be your life ever, I'm afraid. Yeah. So, so, well, so that lasted two weeks. And I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I need something else to do. And so, yeah, I just sent an email to, I found a, a local rugby club. And why rugby? Just because I knew it existed. And some of the boys that I had done shot and discus with were rugby boys. And they've always just said, when are you going to start rugby? Like in jest slash not in jest slash look at me now. Um, so I just thought I'd give it a go, see if there's a local club. And yeah, just emailed Medway and just said, can I come along? And they said, yeah, of course you can. We train on a Tuesday, I think it's just once a week, like an hour, hour and a half once a week. And yeah, just rocked up to Medway. And I, even after the first session, the coach then introduced me to someone else who came over or something. And he just went, this is Shauna. She's going to be good. And I was just like, oh, well, that sounds sounds cool. But, you know, I'm used to being good at things. But it was, uh, yeah, from there, just played. And then the, the, the because your international debut was Canada. Yep. 2017. 2017. Yeah. Where was that? Allianz slash Stonex Stadium. Ah, that's when they came over for a three... November, wasn't it? They came over a three-test yes. yeah, yeah. match. November, That's yeah. right. Um, I was going to say, I, I called that debut, but I didn't actually. Um, I called the, the the next week. But um, that's a pretty rapid, rapid rise. Um, take us through just, just, just quickly that path. Who did you meet at Medway that potentially t- pushed you on that way or who noticed you uh, and got yeah. you into that sort of top level? So with Medway, we went off like within a few weeks of training, there was a sevens competition because it was in the summer. Um, went off to that competition. That's where I met the boxing guy, um, had the boxing match. But I knew I was going off to do a diving course, a commercial diving course in Scotland, in Fort William for September to December of 2015. So I actually didn't play any 15s until I got back. So I think it was just, I think it was just a one sevens tournament I played with Medway in the summer. And then... Yeah, boxing, then went away for three months and came back December. And literally, I, I got back on the Friday. I think I was playing on the Sunday. And I just said, I'm coming back. Do you want me to play? And it's like, yes, yes, you're you're starting. Um, and that was December 2015. Um, and, and for a few a few games, <laughs> I would say a few months, it wasn't a few months. For a few games, I was content with just playing at, at that level and scoring pretty much every time I touch the ball one one game I think I scored six tries I was at a point where I was convert, converting as I was kicking um, just because it was something else to do 
because I would get to training a bit early. I was like, well, surely there's something I could do with this 20 minutes. And so I taught myself how to kick. I say taught myself how to kick, I, you know what I mean? I'd just go and have a punt at the ball a few times. Um, and I was quite happy for a while and, you know, just doing it locally because I'd always commuted into London to train with athletics and it was all long. So I quite liked just being 20 minutes down the road, being able to finish work at six and still having time to come home, have something to eat and go up there. But then I went to watch England play in the Six Nations, England women, and was watching it, sitting there at the stoop with my mum, watching the game. <laughs> I just went to mum, I reckon I could rock on that pitch and no one would know I ain't got a clue what I'm doing. She was like, oh, all right. I said, you know what, mum, I'm going to play for England. And she went, oh, all right, fine. Because mum's used to me. I say things like that all of the time. And she just says, all right, then go and make it happen. So that that's about as much as I got from my mum that day um, in terms of support, because she's completely used to it. And, and yeah, I came away from that game. I just, I started telling people, I just said, I'm going to play. For, I've decided I'm going to play for England. Like everything I do now, I want to play for England. And some people were like, yeah, all right. Like, that's what they all say and et cetera. Um, I I decided so that was the only ever outcome that was going to happen according to me in my life so I, I made the changes i.e well first you've got to investigate I found out you had to play premiership rugby to play for England so that was me straight away looking into the closest club and it was at the time Ellsford Balls was or is still just down the road from me yeah. but there was moving to Quinns and I was like, oh, that's highly inconvenient. It's gone from being 20 minutes away to an hour and 20 minutes away, but it was still geographically the closest club. And that's how I ended up at Quinn's, just because even to this day, it's the closest premiership club to me. Um, and even then I, I rocked up there and I didn't spout off too soon. I wanted to play for England because I realised that it's hugely big-headed of me because I'm now amongst the big girls like in the premiership of premiership rugby. A lot of them come from Richmond, premiership champions. So that was just about learning, learning everything about rugby, learning about myself, learning how to operate as a team as well, because that's a, that's a whole different learning curve of coming from an individual sport. Um, and the coaches said to me early doors, she went, you not played much rugby, have you? And I went, <laughs> no how can how can you tell it's like well because you ain't got a clue what you're doing but you're really good lifter in the lineup and I've never seen someone lift someone so high and I was like yes pretty much what I've got actually is strength um, and that was that was jock Karen Finley at the time and she just took me under her wing from there and never you know jock she's never too openly openly loving and caring you know she's she shows it in a very different way in a way that makes you want more I'd say like a Simon Cow. so if you do something good it's like oh yeah well done and you think oh surely I deserve more than that so you want to achieve more so you can please her and then you do something really cool and she goes oh yeah that was good and she's got a smile and she's happy so you're like yes I've pleased Chuck that's that's a good day um, so, and yeah just just been at Quinn's ever since and it was I went on a fight firefighter course got into Kent Fire and Rescue as a trainee and it was on that course I was still playing rugby on the weekends yeah. but the training course was Monday to Friday residential so I couldn't train um so yeah I don't know if a lot of people know that I wasn't training when I got my first cap I actually wasn't training I was only playing on the weekends and just got a phone call from Matt Ferguson who was a forwards coach at the time and just says I know the fire service have been supportive of you for playing on the weekends because I used to tell them that when I would go in. How do you think? Do you think they'll give you a bit of time off to come into a training camp to maybe get your first cap for England anytime soon? And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I was in the middle of class 
like had to leave class to to take the call and I was just like I, I don't I, I don't know I maybe I can ask I don't know who I'm gonna ask so yeah I just went straight back in and all the the fire service trainers at the time they were big into their rugby and I kind of got a text from another player asking for my number and it was like it was kind of going to happen so I was telling the fire service people this all the time so I came back in hence why he let me leave the class to take the call came back in and he's like so are you going and I was just like whoa I have no idea and so again it was so much help and support from others i.e those in the service that allowed me to have a week off because it's not a done thing you're in your training course for three months that is it um and I walked away from there with the support of of everyone in fire service and I said well it's not a normal thing to give time off during this period but it's pretty special moment and I'm sure we could make something work and so I did have to put extra hours in elsewhere and catch up with my own accord etc but yeah again the help and support of of so many others is, is why I achieve so much even till today Oh, there's so much in there. What, what, what a wonderful wing to be under a, a, a jock wing. But I mean, we, we've had we've had exclusives left, right, and centre here. Comparing Karen Finley to Simon Cowlow is my absolute favourite so far. She will love that. Uh, we're going to text her straight away. Just on a part with Shauna. She's comparing you to Simon Cowell. So pull those trousers right up. So, so England have come calling. Did you feel like a, a fish out of water? I'm, I'm interested because. Clearly, your rugby development wasn't as as probably as far down the line as you may would have liked and the coaches. But obviously, you're a raw athlete. You, you've been to a Commonwealth Games uh, already. Did you feel like a, a fish out of water or, you know, just that burning desire, which is, is there with you anyway, but just, just mm-hmm. to get better, to feel like your place is is, is, is earned? No, it's always about wanting to get better. And I, I always recognise, and even to this day, recognise that I am not the complete rugby player. Like, I have no doubt if I stayed in rugby, I could still improve further as a player. Um, but that moment in time, it was about accepting that, like, for me to accept that I am good enough at this stage in my career because they've invited me here. And the constant thing of people having imposter syndrome and people thinking, oh, am I good enough to be here? I I know you might find this hard to believe, don't really seem to have that. Um, so it was knowing that I've I've earned my spot here. I've not been given this out of charity or out of some kindness of someone that so I'm here because I've earned the right to be here. And whilst I'm here, I'm going to make the full use of everything that's available to me, whether it's about nutrition, whether it's the S&C people, um, whether it's the psychologist, I'm going to make use of everything I have available to me to become a better athlete. So accepting that I was there because I deserve to be there, but still very much had a lot of learning about the game, physical, physically about myself, the running side of it, because I don't like running. I'm, I don't know if you know any prop that does, so it's probably not a surprise to anyone. Ah, but you're six then, Laura. You're a back grower then. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, ah. maybe as always a prop at heart because I've never liked running. Because I'm <laughs> no, you deep. weren't. There was <laughs> some resistance from six to three. There was some resistance, as you well know. Yeah, yeah. And I finished at six as well. So it was meant to be somewhere. It was meant to be. What was, what, what was, the, what was the biggest challenge? All, all your sports to, to, to that date, pretty individual. Was that the the biggest challenge, sharing that that journey that... that that you're on as a as an athlete yeah and 
again, we've joked about it already, about it being a Shauna show, but I've genuinely grown up in a sport where it is a Shauna show. So if I was having a bad day, I'm probably going to have a bad session. If I hadn't eaten well, I'm going to have a bad session. But more importantly, if I eat well, if I sleep well, if I've done my research, if I know what session I'm going into in Shop Put Disc and Hammer, like there's very few external factors that can affect how I train as long as I'm in a good place. All I needed was my coach, a throwing circle and a shot or disc, whatever it is. Whereas you go into rugby, you're not only relying on your 14 teammates uh, of a matchday squad, you're relying on potentially 30, 35, 40, because you're talking about a training squad. And there's no good if I've eaten well, slept well, analysed the sessions, know what's coming up, if 35 others haven't. So it's that constantly having to think of other people and having to think, even like filling up a water bottle if I need to fill up my water bottle instead of just going and doing it because that's what I've always done I'd have to ask does anybody else need any more water like simple things like that if I'm hungry and I'm going to to the shop to get something for me there's a chance that other people are going to be hungry I have to ask that but also the side of which is actually quite enjoyable of getting to know how to get the best out of people so again it's always been about me in my sport and I've known from a young age I'm a very black and white type of person I really enjoy someone telling me what they want how to improve I don't need it to be dressed up nicely first I don't need to be told what I'm doing right or what's going really well first to then tell me what I need to work on to then tell me something else really positive um shall we call it a sugar sandwich I don't necessarily need one of those but I and I thought well if that's how I feel surely everyone feels that so I'm very frank speaking very black and white and telling people you need to be here like you need to be in this position you need to be calling this role and actually I'm not getting the best response from people trying to work out what's going on here when really it's just other people require talking to differently other people have different needs there's different ways to get the best out of people and that's a really fun game learning that and learning how you can change someone's mood so someone can come to training in a foul foul mood and if there's someone I say, dare I say, really important, like a line out caller or a fly half or your scrum half, like you need them to be in a good place. Otherwise, the session doesn't happen well or the game doesn't happen well. So if you can, like, there's, a, there's an amount of pleasure that I get from changing someone else's mood and day around for the better. If they come to training in a foul mood and I can bring them up, I can bring their emotions up, their feelings and make them want to be there and turn it into a good session for them. Like I get pleasure in that as well. So yeah, a huge, huge challenge is, is learning to be part of a team sport compared to just thinking about myself or having to think about maybe 30 other people. Was that possibly your, your greatest achievement as a rugby player, having the ability to do that? I, well, I guess it depends how you measure achievements. If someone says to me, what's your greatest achievement in rugby? I'd say playing in a World Cup final and winning a Prem 15 is getting player of the match. But when you say it like that, Johnny, I I think, yeah, that's a pretty pretty cool achievement, being able to change someone's mind, opinion, emotion, being able to change their day for the better. That's um, Yeah, now you mentioned it. That is a very good achievement as well. It, it certainly is, and, it, and it's something that follows you, follows you around uh, in all the squads you've been to. Um, you have a huge effect on 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 those squads and and those individual people and yeah um, I would say there's a hell of a hell of a uh, an achievement. We we must touch on 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 your achievements. That that was one hell of a day um, down at King Time. You spoke with with such clarity um, after the the game in that post match interview. It was Sarah, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, 
was that something you you'd pre-planned or was it or was it just the emotions off the cuff because potentially if you thought well if we win then there's a platform here at, at a elevated place where, it, where women's rugby isn't normally was it something pre, pre-planned or was it just from the heart uh yeah absolutely not pre-planned because that would require giving thought to something else after a game but when when I'm playing rugby all I'm doing is playing rugby um and not thinking about anything else afterwards but it also meant I would have backed myself to get player of the match as well <laughs> which to be fair is not too far-fetched of a, of a thought from me to think well if I get player of the match maybe I can talk about this subject oh, it's not but... a, a prim 15 <laughs> final is it Shauna Shauna show Shauna show final <laughs> um but no it, it wasn't pre-planned and actually I didn't hear a question I couldn't hear most of her questions. So I was just sort of making up answers. And that last question in particular, if you listen to what she asked me, what I say has nothing to do with what she asked me. I remember, yeah. I'm just going to have to roll with it. (laughs) And yeah, those things are just, they're just at the top of my mind all of the time. I could, I could give one of those sort of talks any day of the week because I don't have to think about it. I don't have to plan it. And it's just, it's just what's there. It's what's in my heart. And, even just like your everyday things, you might, um, you say like, my mum would say, oh, the builders are coming around. Can you check what time he's coming? I go, well, how do you know it's a he? Or the bin men are coming. I go, how do you know they're men? But like, it does get hard work actually. Um, but yeah, these thoughts are just always, always there at the top of my brain. And again, it's something that's run through this, this chat and, and obviously through, through your life, just the, the bravery to, to say something um, when possibly others might not say it, and that confidence in yourself to, to say it. And it, and it just, it just hit a, a, a note, didn't it? And it was a time when, you know, women's rugby is clawing up that hill and um, it just resonated with a huge amount of people. And um, yeah, you rightly, rightly got to a lot of plaudits for, for coming out and, and saying it. Let's, let's go to a world cup then. That was obviously something you wanted to to tick off. Yeah, um, literally tick off. That was like I wouldn't say it's why I started rugby. I would say it's why I started taking rugby seriously. Um, it was wanted to play for England. Tick. Okay, what's next? Well, World Cup. It's, it's a natural progression. Tick. So yeah, it was it was very much part of the the goal the whole time I was playing for England. It was always about wanted to play for England. Done. Now, why am I playing for England? I I am playing for England because I want to go to a World Cup and all the good stuff that's come with it. Fantastic. But my primary primary goal for playing rugby for England was to then play in a World Cup. Awesome group of people. How how cool was was that? Because uh, I suspect ticking the box of the World Cup is, is all well and good, but, but possibly Sean Brown, people are the, 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 the real key to it all and spending that amount of time uh, in that environment in in a, a tournament that was was being gobbled up by the uh, by the local community in the country, how just how cool was the whole experience? Um, I mean, it, it was okay. It wasn't any, everything I'd ever dreamed of, if I'm honest with you, Johnny. And you know, I'm not one to to dress things up. And actually, I I had the expectation of of a Commonwealth Games in my head because I'd been to a Commonwealth Youth and a, a Commonwealth Senior. And this whole mixture of people, of countries, and I've always got this need to, to learn more and know more about cultures, learn more about people, learn how other systems operate, learn how other cultures operate. And so even just that mix. And one of the, well, there was a lot of, I guess for me, a lot of off pitch, I won't say issues, but, but just things that come up in my head, not being able to necessarily mix with teams just because it just, that's just not how it went. There was no sort of organisation of mixing and 
not really the time to talk to other people. Um, there wasn't that much going on away from the pitch, which I I felt quite disappointing, um, if I'm honest, and appreciating that the first game, the opening game at Eden Park, huge success. I think it was sold more tickets than the total of the last World Cup put together, something like that. And again, the final, four, over 42,000 people sold out Eden Park. Website crashed because there was so much demand. Like That is all the great stuff. And the fact, actually, sometimes that the tournament went ahead because, you know, it was put back off for a year. And, like, I'm not here to shoot down the World Cup at all. I just think there's a lot more that could be done to maximise on the, the the opportunity that was there. And, you know, there was a lot of days where we weren't playing rugby and we could have been doing things that had value. Um, accounting, but obviously, training comes first and, and you're there. Um, getting into local community, going into schools, schools clubs, into groups, going into rugby clubs. So I was there and I did go to one girls tournament and that was nearly one of like, the highlights of, of me being there because that's, like you say, that's me, that's being amongst people, seeing the change. And as much as sometimes we can get lost as international rugby players that, you know, we drop a ball in training, we miss a tackle, you're like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing in the world. Like, and your mood changes and you have a bad day because you've had a bad training session. But actually, sometimes we need a reality check to go out and see the effects we're having on these small children. They don't know or care that we've dropped two or three balls in the training session. What they care about is we go out and play and win of a weekend. Um, and just seeing that effect in real life, uh, yeah, for me, that was a bit of a wasted opportunity that we didn't get to do much of that. And again, there's considerations around it. There's training. Like, I get it. I completely get it. I just feel it's a missed opportunity. However, saying that, I do think come 2025 World Cup in England, it's going to be like a way to make us as a, as a nation, as a country, as a rugby-loving nation for women's rugby I just think we're going to shine. And I, I genuinely, I'm excited, looking forward to 2025 and, and how much more of a rounded tournament it can be. So much. I'd like to carry on talking to you, but I'm so conscious of your time and you're giving it so freely today. Um, three things you want to see at 2025 then. A sold out final, 82,000. As, as no, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want the boring RFU answers. Thanks. I want to... But that is a cool answer. That's not. It's not nothing boring about selling eighty-two thousand tickets. I think it's boring because we're going to do it. Be I think it's, because I, I think it's done. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. Uh, for the tournament to tour the country. No, and I, to... I, I, I'm being slightly slightly flippant, but but yeah, you're talking about getting involved in people and leaving leaving a, a legacy, which yeah, uh, England doesn't need to wake up to to women's rugby that New Zealand did, and that yep. was the achievement I believe for you know. For the for the World Cup, so so what those those big broad strokes that we that we spoke about right at the beginning of this, this conversation, what do you want to see in terms of the legacy that twenty twenty five will bring English English rugby and women's rugby around the world? Well, ultimately, it's just more people playing rugby, men, women, black, white, mixed race, Asian, just more people wheelchair rugby as well, more people playing rugby, but a more a more mixture of people from different areas. So if you, you you look at the Prem 15's map of where the clubs are, if I was still growing up in, in Peckham, there's not really a club that I could get to with ease. Of, it's just rugby just wasn't a thing. There was no local club. It's just what it is. So more clubs and more people playing rugby and clubs that are more accessible. So 
how many clubs you go to, you can get a bus to, how many do you go, you can get a train and the the club is walking distance of a train station or do you have to have a car to get to most clubs and so therefore someone like me growing up without a car in a family wouldn't have been able to play rugby so it's just getting more people particularly those who would not have played rugby to play rugby um but also the, the well i say it's also it's part of the same thing the tournament to tour the country so as much as the men's game it's all about twickenham and people come to twickenham i really like the fact that previously we've done it on the road and we go to people because it's almost like there's only a certain type of people in this world who can come to twickenham if you're coming up from durham down to twickenham that's a big ask if we can go to them and get a whole group of people who have potentially never watched it can't watch it can't afford to get there can't afford the tickets etc cetera, etc cetera. If we get them watching rugby, then they might play or they might referee or they might volunteer at the club, whatever it is, at that success. So having a a spread of people from different places, from different areas, from different backgrounds, different cultures playing rugby, for me, that would be success. And being able to relate to someone who is a rugby player, whether they sound like them, look like them, whatever it is, just getting more people feeling accessible to rugby. Availability of the sport. Yes. Yeah, and on TV as well, regularly. Why not? <laughs> In good quality. Why not? <laughs> oh, I'm biting my tongue. Um, as you know, that's the, a little uh, little area of mine and uh, a constant frustration. Um, but um, yeah, that, that's the way to, to to drive it forward. But um, we we will we will keep keep working that space. And and yeah, things are afoot. So. Um, but your decision to to end it all, obviously the World Cup, that's ticked off. Um, again, we, we're not going to mention your age and what have you. Um, but why did you decide Christmas, Harlequins, is life moving else on elsewhere? And he just got just got engaged. Huge congratulations. Well, yeah, not not so far ago. I just thought, you know, this this is the time to to. To see it off, and actually, um, it was supposed to be a big game, wasn't it? But a home game for Harlequins is, is not a bad way to do it. Yeah, in terms of time, like life moves on. I'm getting married next year, maybe start a family, etc. And uh, at my age, I can't have a baby and come back. In terms of when the World Cup cycle is, etc. That's and I say I can't. I don't want to. There's, that's just the end of it. But why? Why December? It's mainly because, and we have touched on it, the the time of the, the tournament. So generally, tournaments are in the summer. And then you're not going to come back to a season. But because of where the tournament was in the calendar, it, I came back to a, a bit of a season as such. So it was, I might as well play a few games. Like I might as well go to what was supposed to be big game, December, um, and then call it quits for a calendar year. So if it was in the summer, I probably would have called it quits straight after the tournament before the start of the season. But by the time I come back, the season had already started. So it was like, just, and the fact that I didn't play that much minutes at the World Cup, so it, it was nice to come back to Quinn and actually play some rugby, and get get a couple of. Well, I say eighty is like seventy seventy five minutes under my belt. Um, so then, and then it felt like I'd literally given everything rather than sort of the fifteen minutes at the end of the final. I'd given, I think, the game in the end was seventy five odd minutes, whatever it was. Um, so yeah, it was like end of season or end of year, and I just chose end of year. So when you sat in that change room afterwards, um, pretty decent game. I believe you're in the team of the round uh, for the Prem 15s. You sit there and go, right decision. 
yeah even even now people ask me do you think it's right and especially those stats that come out today like highest ball carrier team of the round I just yeah I don't think oh what if I'd have stayed like I know that's what I'm capable of I've always known that's what I'm capable of because I've been doing it for years it's not a surprise um but I can do that so no it's still very much the right decision for me yeah um and yeah if it hadn't been for crowbar cocaine um you could have had a, a, a try as well um to, just to <laughs> just to round it all off no no that's that's amy's thing that's her thing yeah. i just i just carry the ball we give other people the glory yeah no i appreciate that but i mean you know what 96 uh performance i believe that was for um harlequins um and i did have the stats up here there they are and i think you scored 54 tries in 96 appearances uh, and obviously the final win three grand slam titles four six nations titles in 30 caps there's the there's, there's the roll call what's next shauna oh who knows johnny we'll see where the mood takes me but and even since retirement like i've had a few opportunities come in not that i'm going to tell you before you ask what they are um, it's just up to me wherever I, I want to take them, essentially. And is it right for me at this moment in time? Um, yeah, there's no there's no hard and fast plan. And that surprises people. I actually generally don't have a plan. Like, if you'd have asked me, even I was looking at pictures from Big Game last year, I was sitting there thinking, oh, I had no idea I was going to retire by this time this year. Um, so, yeah, there's not, there's not always a plan. I just go with the flow. So if people got something out there they want me to do, let me know. Just see see what opportunities come up and see what I want to take. Well, be present. I still want to be present. I still want to be involved in rugby. I okay. still want to be on the rugby scene. I still want to keep using my voice. I still want to keep reminding people that women are worthy. Women women are important. Women can achieve more. I would like to be involved in some capacity in twenty twenty five. Obviously, not playing. Like I still want to keep spreading the good word that you know women are here to stay, and you might as well entertain us and let us do more because we're not going anywhere. Yeah, and I, I, that's that's really really great to hear because I think uh, I think you realise some voices stretch further than others, and I, and I think yours yours stretches very very far, and that's that's brilliant to hear that uh, that you you still want to have a a role like that because um, yeah you are incredibly engaging um, and always effervescent and always got a big smile and um, it sounds like there might be some more brands you know coming along in the future that it's just little hints there and weddings and all this. <laughs> by the way everyone's invited to the wedding um <laughs> yeah, if you can get to st lucia it's expensive most people can't come oh there you are sean Brown's getting married um huge huge congratulations i just want to finish um just with quick fire so some quick fire questions no thought just bang straight out with the answer oh, highlight yeah. of your rugby career winning prem 15s in particular getting player of the match 2021 toughest competitor as an individual or as a group team okay go team and individual then toughest competitor sarah burn and a, a pleasure for her because she's such an incredible athlete so for me to go toe-to-toe with her the whole of my rugby career has been has been an incredible honor always made me a better person toughest um, team to play team I'm just going to I'll take it easy one Saracens because oh, it's changing now. I say you never know the result, but it could be the same for Bristol, could be the same set for Exeter now. That's actually quite a hard one to answer. There's, um, although Worcester are quite a physical team, so are quite big and heavy team to go. I, I can't answer oh, that. France, one. New Zealand. Oh, yeah. Forgot about the international teams. 
Yeah, France, that's it, done. It is like running into brick balls time and time again. Yeah, 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 France. <laughs> Most skillful you've ever played with? Um, oh, this is not quick fire. I, okay, ask me again. I'll be quick. Ready? Ask me again. Most skillful player you've ever played with? Ella Amory at Quinns. So she's a Belgium sevens. And your face suggests like, oh, that's a bit. But she's so I know strong. Ella. Yeah. She yeah, can have yeah. a pod. Her, yeah, her individual ability. But also she works so hard. She's, I think, like the only player I've ever known. By the time everyone's gone home, finished, she's off running. She's doing some sort of sort. She's doing her own kicking. She's doing her own handling. Um, and it shows on the pitch. Even just, you know, just the spin of the ball on her fingers and bits like that. So, yeah, I'd say Ella Amory. She came over here with a, just a hope and a prayer, didn't she? And a, and a plastic bag full of stuff. So uh... My kind of girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed so. Go to her for advice just to do what to do next. Um, <laughs> uh, and last question. Um, you got thirty caps. Would you give twenty nine away for a win in New Zealand last uh, uh, back in back in December? My initial answer was yeah, of course I would. But then I thought I wouldn't have achieved all of the off pitch stuff I have if I only had one cap. So no, the answer is no. It's not about destination; it's about mm. the journey. Yeah, sure. That that that'll do us. Um, I, yeah, again, thank you so so much for for your time, and I think um, if. I mean, some tiny, tiny, small part, uh, a little spokesman for for the women, women's rugby. Then, then thank you, um, because as I say, some some voices reach further than others, and the 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 power to to ask has been there throughout your entire life, and and, and the bravery you've shown um, has 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 been exceptional, and you have transcended across the sport um, and reached new areas of, of supporters that we wouldn't have done before so thank you so much for, for all of that and you've been a, a pleasure to to commentate on a, on on the field um your lung busting runs and and your physicality um adorned with the the, the freshest hairstyle and, and the next big smile um has been absolutely brilliant so what an achievement from sc15 all the way to world cup finals and commonwealth games in between thank you shauna brown Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me on the pod. And maybe one day I'll be sitting next to you in a commentary box. Maybe, maybe that's one of the things that have popped up. Maybe, I'm just saying. Maybe, eventually, at some point, potentially. I don't know. <laughs> so that's happening, ladies and gentlemen. Just to let you know. That's happening, clearly. Uh, get here first. Uh, no, Sean, look brilliant. Um, Hopefully, hopefully, uh, it sounds like um, yeah, we will our paths will cross very very soon on our on our touchline. Sure. Thank you so much once again. Okay, thank you, Johnny.